Hello, my friends. Mason Goodnight here with Core Issues, the show where we talk about issues that touch everybody and how the gospel touches those issues. Welcome to episode three, where we'll be talking about what I'm going to call simply voting advice and hoping that for some, this advice will be now and for others, for next time, for next election at least. So that's the idea here tonight. That's the topic we will be discussing, voting issues, obviously the presidential election gets people all uh, all uh, caught up in a tizzy sometimes about what's going on and in in some ways rightly so we're talking about the biggest election in the world and though it may not be the most important election in fact a good case can be made that the most important elections uh, oftentimes are the ones closest to you could be in your own city government, county, um, state, but the closer they are, the more important they could very well be. And so I'll have some advice today in this for all of those issues, but primarily we're going to talk about the presidential election here because I understand how heated this discussion is, how big this issue is, and I don't want to try to, well, I do want to try to convince some people to change their minds on how they're going to vote. That's some of the advice I'm giving, because we're going to look at some uh, real uh, statistical evidence, some real uh, reporting about, uh, currently about President Trump, and um, why or why not someone should vote for him, from my perspective, and not just dealing with him, but dealing with the concept of voting for the type of candidate that President Trump is, and uh, so that it carries on beyond just this presidential election. And you can see we've got uh, in this picture, in the graphic here, we've got Democrat, Republican, and anyone else. So third parties talk a little bit about that, obviously, in these issues. So before we get off to that, just want to give a quick heads up, give a shout out to the sponsors of the show. You saw it right there at the beginning. This is Anchor FM. That's what they're called. Anchor is the podcast host of my podcast. And what is awesome about Anchor, and I just want to give a big shout out to them, is that it's completely free. Um, and I I could even make money off this if I wanted to try to do ads. I just haven't, I don't, I don't even want to think about that right now. But, um, I mean, this is absolutely free. No, I'm not paying anything for this, and they auto-list everything. I make a quick little page, and they're listing everything. So I've got this stuff listed here on Breaker. Now I am officially on Google Podcasts, so the place I've been listening to my podcast, like a couple I totally recommend to you, which would be um, the Resisting Balaam podcast. Big shout-out to Pastors Callie and, and Stid there, and also a, another group I'm listening to, another podcast that I'm listening to is the um Free the State's new podcast uh, out there with T. Russell Hunter and um, James and, oh, brother, sorry, I'm forgetting your name right off the top of my head. I know you're you're kind of newer to this. I don't think I've got Sam, James, Sam, and T. Russell Hunter. Thank you so much for the new Liberator podcast, enjoying that. But I'm listening to my podcast and more on to um, Google, but now I'm on Google, also on Pocket Casts, also on Radio Public on Spotify, and I got an RSS feed. All this set up by Anchor. So again, I just want to give a shout out to Anchor. Thank you so much for 
uh, putting my podcast together. I really do appreciate it. So that is Anchor FM. And of course, the ministry that this is from is Core Ministries, Community Outreach Evangelism. I'm the director of Core Ministries, and the Core Issues podcast is just one more ministry of the wider Core Ministries under the wider Core Ministries banner. So if you want to know anything about Core Ministries, check out our webpage at www.repentanceandbelief.com. That's repentanceandbelief.com. Got the About page. Tell you about what tell you what, what Core is all about. And, you know, every, all kinds of stuff. I mean, this this page is packed with information. This is going to tell you about us as a ministry. Plus, it's got um, information like a contact page there you can see. And uh, we've also got a Bible search in there through Blue Letter Bible. You can look up scripture, things like that. And then you get down into um, abortion abolitionism, which is um, core, course pages, the Repentance and Belief website. I... I say this without trying to be sound boastful or anything, but this is the largest clearinghouse, I believe, anywhere of the most diverse set of major abolitionist ministries. Like, you've got uh, End Abortion Now, you've got Free the States, you've got uh, Abolish Human Abortion, you've got uh, Operation Save America, Missionaries of the Preborn, you got all the biggies on here, plus videos and training and um, content, um, a couple different blogs, all, like I said, all kinds of stuff. This is just filled with things. Where is the Abolition 101 sign-up page about the doctrine of abolition where you can sign off on? Chopi Wolf 180 movie. Links to shows, videos, links to the whole uh, Babies Are Murdered Here, Babies Are Still Murdered Here. Uh, links to, um, like I said, every major ministry. Links to every one of the, I believe it's five or six episodes of the first End Abortion Now conference that I still think is an excellent overall conference just to get a wide-ranging view of topics. So as I just say, there's all kinds of stuff here. If you want to find something about abolitionism, it is here, as well as now I've got a few podcasts on there, the ones I talked about up there, Resisting Balaam, um, The Liberator, and of course I've got my own on there too. So if you're looking for these podcasts, want to try to find them, there's Resisting Balaam, and there's Liberator beneath that, there's me, there's a blog, and then I've even got stuff you can download, um, free download material free PowerPoint, free graphics, um, then links to books that you can buy. Uh, I'll definitely be having some shows on some of these, most likely, but uh, Doctrine of Lesser Magistrate there. Talked a little bit about it. All right, that's the last one down on the list. So anyway, lots of stuff, lots of resources available for you to check out through uh, that core website. Through So if you want to check out Repentance and Belief, you can see all about that there at, again, www.repentanceandbelief.com. And again, you probably don't even have to type in the www. But it is repentanceandbelief.com. So if you want to check that out, head over there. And you can see what uh, Core Ministries overall is all about. And again, like I said, this show is about issues that touch everybody and how the gospel touches those issues. And I always want to start out with a little simple presentation of the gospel for if anybody is watching this that is not a believer in Jesus Christ already, I want you to know that there's nothing more important to you than to have that right relationship with Jesus Christ. And that comes through a heart that's broken over your sin. When you recognize that your lies and your theft and your hatred and your lust and your greed and your disobedience and every wicked thought and deed in your heart, every wicked thought or deed, thought and done, every one of them has earned you the just wrath of God in hell 
but yet God in his grace and in his mercy has made a way so that wretched sinners like you and I can be redeemed, can be saved, can be brought from death to everlasting life, can be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of the love of God the Father. We can be adopted into the family of God, and that happens when your heart's broken over your sin, when you're willing to admit those sins, and they've been done against a good God, and you're willing to humble yourself, repent, and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone and His finished work on Calvary, and then you are made a new creature creation in Christ, adopted into his family. You are born again, my friends, and then you walk in that newness of life, regenerated by the Spirit, heart and mind opened up to see God and his beauty and wanting to follow him and do his will. And that's my hope, is that you would hear the call of Christ to repent and believe in him, even if it's just right now, and know that no matter how deep your sin, no matter how many times you've broken those commandments, no matter how many times you've done those sins, or sins we don't mention on here that I haven't even talked about in this little presentation, sins you don't even want anybody to ever think about or know about. Friend, there's nothing too deep, there's nothing too bad, there's nothing too sick that God cannot forgive if you admit their sin, if you admit their the wickedness against his glorious perfect holiness, against his declared law, both in his word, in the Ten Commandments and throughout, and what's written on your heart, and you know it's sin. My friend, turn to Christ. Repent, believe, trust in Jesus Christ, and you'll have everlasting life. So that's the gospel that touches all of life, and we want people to know that, and we want to live like indeed it does. So that's what CORE is about, community outreach evangelism, getting the gospel to people so that people can be saved, and this show is about getting issues in this world that touch all our lives and see how the gospel affects them, because we as Christians and how we deal with them should be a people of the gospel. So talking about voting advice, how that deals with this is how a people of the gospel should look at voting. Well, we should look at it just like we look at any issue. We should look at it in a biblical manner. I'll give you a little background on me for those. If, if you're watching this new, if this is new to you, you're either watching this or maybe you're listening to this. I want to encourage you, if you're if you're picking this up on a podcast on one of the places it's been distributed at, you're getting kind of half half the deal because one of the things I really like to do on this podcast is I like the the reason why I even went to a podcast because those who know me know I've taught on a lot of these issues and talked on these things before. I've recorded videos whether they've been Facebook Live or whether it's been a YouTube video or something, and then I put it. Um, up on, leave it on Facebook or I'll record it to YouTube. But here um, on this format, I really like it because there can be more of a live um, interactive um, action here. I don't just show, if you see that little bar come up, what I'm doing here is I'm clicking on pulling up Facebook live comments so that if anybody wants to chime in, I mean, this is a late session. This is almost midnight out here on the West Coast, so I don't expect people to be chiming in per se, but uh, I'll pop that up on occasion. I'm not going to leave it up all the time like I did on the second show because it looked kind of weird out there. But um, this this live format, the way this works, works so well the way this has been set up, and I give a shout out to um, XSplit Broadcaster, the company that uh, build the, the software that I'm using, and X, XSplit of um, VCAT, is it, what is that called? XSplit Broadcaster and XSplit VCAM. 
using both of those together here to broadcast through Facebook Live. And using those tools makes it very good, very interactive, very easy for me to show you information. So if you're listening to this, you're catching this on the podcast, well, praise God that you're getting it, and I pray it blesses you, I pray it helps you. But if you really want to get the full effect of this, um, you're best to go and check out the Core Issues Facebook page. I've got a specific Facebook page for Core Issues. Not only is are these shows streamed live, live streaming, on my personal Mason Goodnight page on Facebook, which you can catch that there, and you can comment if you want whenever this maybe if you may be up or something watching at the time that I'm streaming this, you can comment in the thing, and I will be pulling up check for those comments. That's another cool feature that they've got on here for broadcaster to actually have those things coming up and available in the midst of um, me doing this show that I actually see those. And you know what, I didn't check, but I'll see. See if it's accurate. I'll see if I pull this up. Yeah, that's this is the old school way. You can see that little bar comes up it's because they put a little um, they put a little uh, stream in there. They put a little link, but I've got it also on my phone, so I can see. Pull it up here, and oh, well, I see Ryan Clark is watching on here. So, uh, hey Ryan, <laughs> good to see you, brother. But I apparently, well, now I know. Apparently, my little my little Facebook thing, um, it it doesn't tell me if anybody's watching. All it will tell me is to be comments. So, brother Ryan, if uh, you are watching this when I uh, am talking here, feel free to write something on here, and uh, I will see if it comes up. I'll, I'll definitely see it on my phone, but uh, I'll try to keep an eye out and see if it does come up also on my um, actual screen here on the. Uh, broadcaster program to be able to see that as well. So anyway, just giving a little shout out, just talking about the resources that is available here and how cool this is set up. And again, why I was talking about how the a radio broadcast is missing some is is a little bit less is because with the radio broadcast, the, the podcast you would catch, um, like I said, you're gonna miss a lot of the visuals. And I think the visuals are important. Wow, is that is that really? Wow, just looking on the Facebook, it's actually doing audio because I turned my volume to me. It's just my phone. It's doing the uh, text. But anyway, I get I get excited by all the techie stuff too. But um, the visual really helps because the things I'm going to talk about, and this is sad, even amongst Christians, oftentimes I talk about things, I'll, I'll talk about issues um, with President Trump. And... I found, and other politicians, but this is just the season to be talking about the presidential election. So I'll talk about issues, and I'll say things about things he's done or not done, stances he's taken, professions he's made, um, things he's done politically. And people will often go, wow, that's just not true. No, he's not dead, blah, blah, blah. And they get all upset. And these are people that oftentimes I interact with elsewhere. But they're, and they're, and they're professing believers, most of them. I talk to, and it just, it does surprise me often when I'll, I'll say something and they think that I'm lying. Um, and I think that it's, that's frustrating. It gets me frustrated. And I'm sure it frustrates you too when someone says, no, they don't. That's not true. You got to recognize that maybe you, you aren't really thinking about saying that to somebody, but obviously functionally, if I say this is what somebody did and this is what it is. And you say, no, you didn't. No, it's not true. Well, you're telling me I'm a liar. Now, you may not be thinking that vain. You might just be 
knee-jerk reaction to that information. But friends, you got to understand, when you tell somebody that, oh, no, that's not what happened, you're telling that person you don't believe them, they're a liar or they're stupid, you know, and, and neither of those is good. So part of this is to be a help so that when I say these things, I can just pull up the articles. You can see it right along with me, and we're going to look at things tonight to see when I say things about Trump's policies, about Trump's activities, that as we look at them, I'm going to pull them right up on the screen. We're going to go over them here together, and as I pull those up and pull up other people's stuff, and if something pops off and I think it's something new, I can pull it up also and pull up a new web page if I'm checking and someone makes a comment and I want to interact with people, I can live and we can go over other issues together. But I want to talk about these issues tonight and go over some of the things that, uh, about President Trump and this presidential election and why I think they're important. So for those who um, know me at all know that I'm big into abolitionism. I'm a five-tenant abolitionist. I am a born-again Christian who is adamant that we need to be a biblical people, and I believe that abolitionism is the biblical abortion response. I believe um, abolitionism, five-tenant abolitionism, is the way we should look at the abortion issue, and we should therefore address politics and who we're voting for and bills we're supporting and things like that through the lens of scripture. And in view of that, as we talk about President Trump here, I want to go over the things that he said and done and see if the things that he says and does are in line with him being, quote-unquote, the most pro-life president in history. I had this uh, family member even told me this tonight, just a few hours ago. Well, he's done more for the unborn than any other president, and... Uh, hear stuff like that all the time, and then he here he's the most pro-life president ever, and and those of you who know me and know an abolitionist stance don't have much esteem for the pro-life movement anyway because of the failures and the failings that it continues to have. That movement is really more a pro-life establishment because it doesn't move forward anything worthwhile even to be said, but taking into consideration the stance of President Trump being the most pro-life president ever. Let's look at um, the record. For those of you who think he's the most pro-life president ever, I've said this before and people don't believe it, but again, I'll say it again and I'm going to show you here. You may or may not believe this, but President Trump, this last year, funded with the signature of his uh, bill, of his um, budget, that the, he signed into law the biggest spending bill in Planned, Parents, Planned Parenthood's history, the largest uh, budget ever. That number, that record goes to him. It doesn't go to President Barack Obama. It goes to President Trump. Okay? If you remember, if you watched him in the 2016 election, most people are voting for him now, voting for him then, you remember him promising and talking a lot of things, even when he said those crazy things that people were kind of like, oh my goodness, are you seriously saying that when he was talking about, um, well, you know, I think Planned Parenthood does some good things too, but because they do abortion, they have to be defunded. So I will defund Planned Parenthood because they, uh, because they are, uh, do abortion. So I will defund them. Okay. Well, friends, he didn't defund them. In fact, if you want to look at the stats, he's funded them for over a billion dollars, three direct budgets, and he never defunded them. Now, again, clickbait people will look on there and go, yeah, you did, I saw it on there. Friends, if you saw it, then why is he even 
promising now that he's going to do it again. He's throwing up the same empty promise again. And people are buying it. They're, they're, they're falling for it. But what did he do? Well, that's where you got misled because you probably don't read the articles. That's a clickbait article when you see those things coming from certain people saying, oh, Trump defunds Planned Parenthood. No, that was when he did the uh, title, it was Title IX defunding, where the Hyde Amendment doesn't allow certain um, funds to go. And so Planned Parenthood actually rejected a number that was like $50 million or something. But what they got was their annual budget, which again, I said, is the largest ever in the history of Planned Parenthood. And that was for a total of $618 million. So again, I don't just want to say it. Let's show it. There you go. Fox News, I thought I'd use that because, you know, most most uh, Christians especially want a conservative and they don't want to listen to CNN or something on this thing. So here's uh, Fox News, the conservative uh, channel. Read the headline, then Planned Parenthood reports record high abortions. So there's another being of the greatest pro-life president ever. Oh, we're, we're reducing abortions while Planned Parenthood had their highest abortion levels ever in the 2019 year and Planned Parenthood reported a record high number of abortions and government funding for 2018 and 19 despite encountering a wave of Republican-led measures designed to restrict resources and access to the controversial procedure blah 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 pro-life uh, failed measures despite all that they had more abortions ever and released on Monday, the annual report shows the group received $617 million in taxpayer funds for the fiscal year ending in June. The number represents roughly 37%. So, here's the key. Number one record-breaking budget ever received by Planned Parenthood shows the group received $617 million. Friends, that is the highest number they have ever received record high number of abortions and government funding for 2018-2019. So, President Trump, most pro-life president in history, they say, funded Planned Parenthood for more than they've ever been funded before in any one year. So, he's had three budgets he has signed into law, and every one of them has funded Planned Parenthood, despite making the promise that he would defund Planned Parenthood. He lied, folks. It's a political move. Not uncommon, but he lied. He didn't defund Planned Parenthood. He's a failure even in the pro-life movement, let alone abolitionists, which we're like, defund Planned Parenthood thing. We just need to abolish abortion. It's this wickedness that we're talking about. Oh, just don't do abortions with my money. Sure, we don't want it done with our money, but we surely don't want it done at all because it's murdering human beings. But let's not get off that tangent. So he's a failure. He lied. He did He did not defund Planned Parenthood like he said he was going to do. And don't try to give me this, well, he has to work with other people, friends. In 2016, he was elected in 2017 when he came into office. The Republicans had the presidency. They had the House. They had the Senate. They had all three, okay, all three, you know, wings there. You had the House and the Senate to write the bills, and you had the President to sign or veto them. The President could have, to this day, because he still controls the Senate, the Republicans still control the Senate, he could veto every single budget that's come before him. And has he? No, he hasn't. He has funded Planned Parenthood every time. He could have vetoed it, and they'd had to get a supermajority out of the Senate to go over his head, and they're not going to do that, and he didn't even challenge him on it. So, pro-life, schmo-life. Who cares? He didn't do it. It's a lie. So don't 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 buy it. Okay, folks. So 
That's that. Now, so what else about Trump? What else about his presidency? If it is a pro-life issue, is he supporting LGBTQ issues? The abomination scripture calls LGBTQ issues. You may say, well, he didn't in the... uh, he, he, that was, you know, back in 2016. That's when he was running. You know, he's changed. I mean, he's been a, he's grown. He's not into that type of stuff anymore. That was Trump in 2016. He's not um, pro-LGBTQ now. That was, that was in the past. Well, my friends, that was 2016. I will give you that. But <clears throat> is he um, against that now? He's has he risen up and said, I stand against the abominations of the LGBTQ. Uh, um, lobbies and everything. Am I against that type of abomination that God says is definitely an abomination, murder of the preborn and um, LGBTQ stuff? Um, no, he hasn't, friends. He has not. He's doubled down. He's gotten, I will dare say, even worse. How can I say that? Well, again, let's go to the articles. Here's an article many of you probably remember back uh, in last year in 2019 during the um, Democratic primaries, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, the openly homosexual um, mayor um, who was running for the Democratic ticket. And here's where you see the headline. Um, Buttigieg says it's nice Trump supports his marriage. Wait a second. Trump supports his gay marriage, his abominable marriage. This quote unquote Christian president supports abominable and abomination of what marriage is not. The Bible says there's no such thing. It isn't a marriage. Because, hey, folks, God defines marriage, not President Trump or anyone else. He's not married. But in this article, again, through Fox News, when asked about, uh, you know, what he felt about that. Let's see what Trump had to say about that. Trump last week said he thought that it was, quote, great, great seeing Buttigieg campaign alongside his husband, Chastin. And added that he had, quote, no problem with it whatsoever. Not like, hey, you know, it's America. You know, people are going to do what they're going to do. Hey, who am I to stop him? Hey, nothing I can do to keep him from being married. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I had no problem with it. That's no problem with that whatsoever. Not even, hey, it's no big deal. Or I don't have a problem with that. But I have no problem with it whatsoever. And then he doubles down. He says, I I think it's absolutely fine. I do. I think it's absolutely fine, the abomination of gay marriage. I think it's fine that Buttigieg's married to a man. That's fine. I do. Trump said during the interview of Fox News, and then he said, didn't just say it's fine. Didn't just say, emphasize that. He goes on, I think it's great. I think that's something that perhaps some people will have a problem with. Well, some people? You mean maybe all those Christians that are going around saying, well, you're a Christian. Well, after four years, they're still trying to maybe say baby Christian. Um, friends, when the Spirit of God dwells within you, you do not say things that are abominations before God. And double down on it and triple down on it and keep making more good out of it. He says, I think it's great. I think that's something that perhaps some people will have a problem with. But what does he say after that? I have no problem with it whatsoever. 
Oh, and how does he finish it? I think it's good. What did he say there? I think it's good. Wait a second. Wait a second. God says, Woe to those who call good evil, and evil good. Is the abomination of homosexuality good? No, it's evil, friends. It is evil. And President Trump says it's good. He says it's good. So that is very simple. Don't go around calling him a Christian. Don't go around even calling him a baby Christian. I can't see how always he's a Christian at all. Friends, quit trying to make excuses for him. Don't say he doesn't say these things. Don't say he's uh, he's against these things when he says that he thinks it's fine. Absolutely fine. I do. I think it's good. Friends, come on. He is not holding a Christian position on these things, okay? Next. Was it uh, 2009? Has he changed even since then? I mean, now we're in 2020. Has it changed? No. LifeSite News, again, a site Christians probably go to and look. Trump says, quote, My great honor to be called the, quote, most pro-gay president in American history. The most pro-gay president in American history. From the log, log cabin Republicans supporting him. This is his um, former ambassador, Grinnell. Uh, Republican National Cern, a senior advisor, folked on outreach to LGBT voters, according to Fox News. And what does Trump say it is to be, the, to be called the greatest pro-gay president ever? Quote, my great honor, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. My great honor. And there it is. There's the tweet that Trump is retweeting from his former ambassador to Germany, his former head of intelligence, the first ever gay man as a cabinet position in government, appointed by Trump. And this is a long tweet. You can go watch it, listen to him talk about all the singing the praises, wearing the Make America Great Again pride hat. And when was this? August 19th, 2020, friends. This is just last month. This is not ancient news. Trump is so pro-LGBTQ, he is considered by them, by one of the leaders, by women, he appointed to a cabinet position and also to an ambassador to Germany, the most pro-gay president ever. And he goes over all the lauds, all the wonderful things that Trump has done for the, the homosexual community, for LGBT folks, as the president, and he touts this as wonderful. And he, Grinnell, I can prove it. And he goes and sings his praise. You want to go check this out? Just look it up. I'm showing it to you, but if you think I'm lying, you want more, feel free. Go check it out. Trump, my great honor. Life site news. Talk about it. Just look that up. Find on it. Check it out. Read all about it. Find the tweet. Go through it. You can see all of this stuff, and you can hear all the praises sung about President Trump and his pro-LGBTQ stuff, okay? That is what you're going to hear about President Trump, that he is pro-LGBTQ across the board. He's for it. Now, is it anywhere else? Well, here you go again. People have questioned, well, surely... 
that hat wasn't like official. Like I had that made. No, here you go. Here's the Trump pants. This is I'm I'm on the web page. It's interesting that it sees through. It's like transparent on the page. But when I share the link, but feel free to go check out Trump pants 2020. If you think I'm lying, you think I'm faking this. Go ahead and look them up. These are their pride shirts. Trump pants. Trump pride 2020. Trump pride 2020. That is being sold right now. You can get your ringer tee, or you can get any of these other special. Hey, there's a hat. There it is that Ambassador Grinnell was wearing. You can get those two. You can get your Trump Pride t-shirts and hats and all kinds of different stuff that shows your pride with President Trump and Mike Pence. It's clear. It is clear, it is easy to see, friends. I am not, again, I'm not making this stuff up. I didn't uh, put this together to try to, um, you know, I didn't fake these things. I put these things together so that people could see. Trump is pro-abortion, funded Planned Parenthood, more it's ever been funded before, proved it there. He's pro-LGBTQ, being praises being sung about him. Now, friends... You may be saying, which I hear this so often, well, I'm not voting for a pastor. I'm not voting for, you know, someone to lead my church. I'm voting for president. Friends, I know you are. I am too. But it isn't just about the sin underlying. When you're talking about these issues, especially you're talking about the abortion issues, we're talking about policy. We're talking about the fact that he's the executive and can actually totally outlaw and abolish abortion with executive order just by stating that it has to be in line with the Constitution. But he doesn't. doesn't even think about doing that. doesn't use the bully pulpit to encourage legislation, to pass legislation, because if you've been following along, and hey, maybe you you don't, maybe you, it's another thing you haven't looked into, but did you know that President Trump also not just, he touts how he has the three exceptions, that's why I say he is pro-choice with exceptions. He is pro-baby murder, because he is. He believes that any baby conceived in rape, any baby conceived in incest, or any baby whose life may threaten the life of the mother can openly be murdered through abortion. And he supports that. And unlike Reagan, who he touts, well, that's the same position as Reagan held, but Reagan, as far as I know, never heard anywhere, never found anywhere that he wanted to change the Republican platform. The Republican platform says life is precious, you know, abortion is wrong, we are against it 100%. And there are still some Republicans that are least out there, at least say they don't support abortion at all, which uh, Vice President Mike Pence says no exceptions. But you see, Trump, that wasn't good enough for him to have those views himself. He has openly said that he wants to change the Republican Party platform to adopt that stance. So not only does he hold that there should be exceptions to murder that baby, he wants the Republican Party to adopt that stance, that anti-life, pro-baby murder stance. So is he ever going to work for abolishing abortion? And of course he's not, because he actually thinks there's reasons why it should be allowed. There should be reasons why you murder the baby. There's reasons in his mind to do evil that he calls good, to say, yes, I'm sorry, God, whatever you say about don't hold the sins of the son, don't hold the sins of the father against the child and punish the child for the sins of the father, which we know is wicked and unbiblical and just logically ridiculous. He says, no, those babies deserve to be punished to death if their mother doesn't want them because they were conceived by a wicked act or they may endanger the life of the mother. 
No excuse, friends. It's wickedness. And even a lot of pro-lifers understand that. And uh, yet people are defending it, saying he's the most pro-life president ever. That's the most pro-life. He's just all the more reason why you shouldn't be pro-life. You need to embrace abolitionism. So that's just out there. Let, let's see. Maybe maybe I'll pull that up just because I did say it. And a lot of people will go. And I wanted to be thorough, and I did not pull that one up. So while you guys are watching here, the other thing cool thing about this program is I do not have to move away from the camera while you're on there watching me. I will pull up on the old browser here. Trump wants to change party platform for three abortion exceptions. Let's see if that search gives us what we need. There it is. Hey, there we go. That is, um, well, that's CNN. I hope that'll be okay. It's just the first one I hit on here. But let's pull that up. We'll put it out there for everybody here to see as well. Let's add this into our stream here as we speak. Pull that one up. There's that article. And a bing, bang, boom. Here we go. Let's pull it down here. And let's stretch that out over there. There he is. Trump, I would change GOP platform on abortion. All right. He would change the Republican Party platform on abortion to include exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. So he wanted to just not only has it himself, but he wants to force it to be changed on the party platform for the three exceptions. I would. Yes, I would. Yes, I would absolutely change it for the party. So, you know what I've seen because of that? Now, I can't show you that because I can't find it anymore. I threw it away a while ago because I wasn't going to keep it um, long before I decided to do the podcast. But even this year, uh, voter pamphlets came out. And the voter pamphlets had as the pro-life organizations had already dumped functionally the GOP platform and have sa and said right there, I think all of the candidates that we endorse on this voter guide adhere to the pro-life stance of President Trump with the three exceptions. So they'd already adopted it. So they've given the stamp approval of their vote, stamping approval for us to vote for those people because they met Trump's standard with the three exceptions to murder babies. Friends, it's out there. There it is. I showed that one to you as well. It's all clear as day. Okay. Now, I understand. You're going to say, because I've heard this, you know, several times. Listen, I know Trump's bad. I know those are not good things. But again, I'm not voting for a pastor. I'm voting for a president. And so those things, you know, hey. Biden's worse. He's horrible. Therefore, you know, I'm just going to vote for Trump because he's the he's the best possible option we can get. Okay? He's the only one that can hope to save the republic. Well, friends, regardless if that be the case, number 1, I'd make an argument that um the issue is we are not seeking to save the republic. Oops, snuck that in there. We are seeking to do that which pleases God, okay? We are supposed to be doing that which pleases God, and that means obeying Him, regardless of what the world may think, regardless of what um, may think is best for the Republic, even as best for ourselves and or our families later. 
our first goal is to obey God, to glorify him, to do what is right in his eyes, in his word, which he makes clear. So we don't need to worry about saving the republic. We should do what's right. And if, by the grace of God, that works out, that that is what God wants to, to come to be, then, my friends, that will come to be without a problem. Here's, um, I thought I had it in here. I wanted to show, I thought I had it in the um, links here, the um, voting history of the United States. And this is where I get to, I've talked about the advice for those hoping for now that they will um, change their mind about voting for Trump now. And and again, I say generally, I'm voting for someone like Trump ever, compromising on those things at any level. It's not just about the presidency. It just happens to be where we are now, and he's the guy we're voting for. I'm definitely not promoting voting for Biden, by no means. That's wicked. That's horrible. And I'm definitely not pushing for that. However, I'm voting, I'm arguing that we do not vote for someone like Trump. And for those of you who are saying, hey, that's the best we can do. I mean, that is just the best we can do right now. So we've got to vote Trump. Um, let, let's let's deal with uh, let's deal with that issue right up front. Um, that we immediately, if we are not voting for. Um, Trump were voting for Biden. Think about the illogic of that for a moment, because I mean, let's just just run that through. Because obviously, if the same logic you're using is um, bringing about the um, situation where the Republicans can say that to Democrat to other Republicans and Democrats can say that to Democrats or to whoever their independents they're talking to and it works exactly the same. Obviously the logic is flawed. I've written pretty extensively also on the um, issues of um, third party voting, wrote a pretty long um, post on it. But for this issue, let's just pull up here um, a quick little picture it kind of um, explains this might seem silly to some but this is this is an issue that is well worth um, looking at. I'm just going to add the source here so we can see it here um, we have this problem of saying you know third parties they can't win there's no hope so uh, I'm not going to vote for them I remember when I was um, following the Alan Keyes presidential cycle years ago, I was uh, I voted for him in the primaries, and of course he lost, and uh, and the vote was for I want to say it was probably Bush back then, but he said pretty much this here. He said in a debate, someone was asking him. He says so many people have told me, you know. I'd vote for you if you had a chance for winning. And he says, you know, if all the people that told me they'd vote for me, if I had a chance at winning, voted for me, I'd have a chance at winning. And uh, everybody kind of laughed. He was on the national stage. Most people tell you he won that debate. He was hands down the 
best show out there. But I mean, just look at this. Just think about this. Third party voting. We're not going to vote for a third party because third parties are not likely to win because we're not going to vote for a third party. <laughs> Friends, if, if you're never going to vote for them, of course they're not likely to win because you're never going to vote for them. Um, and in this day and age, we've got no excuses. We can vote for a third party and everybody can find out about a third party. And I'm not against the miraculous work of God to awaken the consciences of people to stop compromising with wickedness and to actually just do what's right and vote their conscience versus what's pragmatically practical. And this gets to pragmatism as well. That so many people get upset that think that we don't ever think about it. And those of us who are hardcore, not going to vote for Trump. And again, I am not anti-Trump. I, I, w I would say I'm never Trump as long as he remains as he is. Not that I'm never Trump if he repents. If he repents, embraces Christ in truth, and in that embraces right um, governing practices about the preborn, about not murdering them anymore, not standing for the murder, not wanting to actually promote their murder in the Republican platform, um, then I would vote for him. And again, I want him to be saved because I want him to be saved. I would vote for him if he was Roman Catholic and he had the right views. I would vote for him if he was Mormon and he had the right views. Because you can govern, you can wield the sword rightly under God if you have good governing principles. Now, I trust them less because I understand that those who are not in Christ are not bound with the um, law on their hearts written and loved by them like uh, scripture tells us in Ezekiel 36 about having a will and a love to do God's will which only happens when someone's born again and to obey his law so I trust them less but if they make the promise openly about that I would still vote for them if they had the right political platform they had the right planks in their platform I would vote for them no matter their religion as long as it was um, in line with uh, good sound biblical principles which people outside of Christianity can uphold and God calls us to not align ourselves with evil people I'm gonna get into scripture of that in a bit because again we base everything on scripture but this is just common sense here. This kind of, you know, we're never going to get out of this cycle unless we get out of the cycle. So we choose to get out of it. But know this. I'm not throwing my vote away. My vote's not going to Biden, nor is any of the third-party people I know who are um, voting against Trump, voting for a third party, because we have determined in our conscience, according to Scripture, that we're never going to vote for that guy. It's not a matter of, oh, well, I would vote for him if this guy wasn't here, if there wasn't this other option available. No, no, we would never vote for the person that holds views, whether it be Trump, whether it be president, whether it be governor, whether it be a senator, whether it be a House representative. It doesn't matter. We're not going to vote for somebody. We've repented of worldly pragmatism in our voting. So it doesn't matter who he is. It doesn't matter if there's nobody else to vote for. We are not going to vote for someone we see as an unbiblical candidate again not saying they're not happy christian but unbiblical meaning they break the laws of god that they are supposed to govern by the way god calls them to govern civilly in the civil government and in this case where trump fails like so many also fail even he's against the founding principles and documents of the united states the declaration of independence and the u.s constitution so off in every realm that Christians and really patriotic Americans shouldn't vote for someone like Trump or Trump. But 
again, let's get to the pragmatic reasoning of this, at least for now in certain areas. So if you're watching this and you're thinking, oh, I'm st- if you're blowing off everything I've said, you know, I don't care. I'm not voting for anybody but Trump. I'm a Trumper because he's the best we can do. If you're, and this is really talking to people who are the, um, the hold your nose and vote for Trump folks. Let me, I am going to pull that up. I forgot to look there cause I'm getting old. Let me pull up the, um, the voter maps. And I thought I had that saved in there, but apparently I did not. So I'm going to pull it up again. The beauty of this, you can see this while I pull this up. Let's look at all the way up to 2016. Da, 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 da. Where, oh, where? Voter maps history, for some reason, we're not pulling up my 2016 one, of course, because I'm looking, but I think it will be on here. Yes, it will. Here it is. This is a Vox article. I did have that on there, but for some reason, it did not save. I'm not seeing it, so let's just put it into the platform for everybody to see here. Link that right there. Pull that up there. And let's stretch old Voxy out here for you to see. What is it saying? What has old Vox got to say about previous presidential elections? Well, where did that go? Why did that see? No, I'm not going to contribute to that. That is not... There is no article there. What a great web page. That gave us nothing. Why aren't we seeing anything there? Well, wasn't that just wonderful? Yeah, let's go all the way up again and see if it took a minute to load. Nope. Coronavirus spikes. Wow. Wasn't that stupid and worthless? What in the world did we get here? Let's get rid of that. Let's roll off the Vox page. We will just uh, dump it because it is not helping us at all. Get rid of that. Close that off visually, and let's just remove it. Now let's go back out there again and pull it up, because I know it is here on this page, right here. The historical vote. Let's see if it comes up this time, if I put it in here. We'll give it one more shot in here to give you guys the visual because it is important for you to see the reality of what voting has looked like in the last 15 elections what has it looked like well let's scroll through here folks now you can see this here with me let's shrink it down a bit and then i'll scoot over so you can see me as we talk about this here's 2004 2008, 2012, they're running through. I'm going to scroll through. Let's start up in 1984. That's an important one for me. So work with me here, folks. Follow this map with me. Here's 1984. This is the year that President Ronald Reagan won re-election against Walter Mondale. For reference, for those who don't know, here I am. I live out here in Oregon. This is affectionately known as the left coast. The leftists own this area. Now, that might seem weird looking at 1984, but 
It's also maybe weird people realizing how long ago 1984 is. That's a long time ago, folks. It's, it's scary to believe that's almost 40 years ago. For those of us who are old enough to actually remember 1984, of course, famous for the novel written um, about the Big Brother, people know about. But uh, President Reagan won that election. Now, that is the last time my state has been almost 40 years last time my state went red when they voted for Ron, which you can see almost everybody but two states voted for old Ronnie Reagan. So, in fact, it's not even, it's like um, one state, Mer uh, Minnesota and Washington, D.C., not even a state voted for him. But what happened come 88? Well, there we go. My state lost. Here's the sad reality, folks. Ever since 1988 here in Oregon and Washington, and by 92, California, and every time up and until and through this most recent election, 2016, the left coast has always gone for the Democrat. So here's where I get to pragmatism, and it doesn't just go a little bit, it goes big, and every time, especially those of us up here in Oregon, California's a big one, but uh, it always goes blue. It's been going blue for about 40 years, almost 40 years itself. Um, folks, it goes blue. And you can see over here on the east, they go blue too. That's why there's swing states and there's states you watch the news and they talk about them possibly flipping, flopping, and ones that are in play. Folks, these left coast states are not considered in play. And a lot of these east coast places are not considered in play. They know it. We all know it if we pay attention, we know it. You can look at the history and see how they go. I mean, just look at it. Blue in areas, red in areas, we know how it goes. Friends, it's going to be this way this year again. And anybody in my state of Oregon, and anybody in the left coast, really, if you're voting for Trump, all you're doing is virtue signaling. You're not voting that because you're doing any good. And the other thing that you notice is that if you watch election night voting, which I do, you'll notice that the whole presidential race is always called before the numbers are even in in Oregon, before they're in in a lot of these blue states. Okay. So folks, don't fool yourself into thinking that um, if history tells us this, that somehow some miracle is going to come through and he's going to win the blue state, the bright blue state that you're in. He's not. He's not winning Oregon. He hasn't bothered to campaign here because he knows he ain't winning here. He's not spending any money here. He's not going to win here. He's not campaigning on the, on the left coast because he's not winning there. He knows that. Don't bother throwing your vote away for that, for the sake of thinking you're going to help the election. You're not. You're virtue signaling. You're saying, I'm a Trumper and I love him. But if you're one of those folks that's doing the old plug the nose and vote and you're one of these leftist bright blue states, can I encourage you with a pragmatic thought? Vote for somebody else. Vote for someone who has good Christian values and principles, even just for pragmatism's sake. I, I would wish you'd vote for him, even if you're in a bright red state, because I'd vote for the man I'm voting for regardless of where I'm at. I'd vote for him if I knew this single vote that I cast would be the difference in the election, even though that's impossible to happen in our country. But, I mean, I'm voting based on the principles alone of what the Bible says. And again, we'll get to those in a little bit. But... If you're looking at this pragmatically, but you also still want to make a statement that hopefully wakes people up, if you're in a bright blue state, can I encourage you? Don't virtue signal and vote for Trump. 
vote for a righteous candidate. Vote for a man who has a righteous platform built on righteous planks. I'm not talking about voting for a pastor. Don't get caught up in that old canard. Please don't throw that out there, folks. We know it's foolish. I hear so many people are not voting for a pastor. And the other famous one, the other favorite one is, well, you don't going to vote for Jesus because you want a perfect candidate. you got to have somebody who's perfect. No, that's a canard. That's a straw man argument. I'm not looking for someone who's perfect. I know Jesus isn't running for president, nor will he be running for governor or senator or anything else. I'm voting for someone who has a righteous platform. And again, I don't even care. I do care. I mean, I hope they'd be Christians because I hope they'd be saved and they would have a, a more solid um, uh, moral base by which I would have more trust in them. But if they actually have a good platform based on righteous ruling requirements, both we see in Scripture, not bearing the sword in vain, doing what's right in God's eyes biblically, but also doing what's right in the eyes and based on the foundation of our Declaration of Independence and Constitution, those are who I'm looking for as well. And so I will vote for those people when they're available. And by the grace of God, somebody happens to be available like that for us here in the United States this year in president, uh, presidential candidate Tom Hoefling. Now, you may be going, what? What, what do you mean, Tom Hoefling? Have you ever heard of that guy before? Well, some of you know me. You have heard of him. You do know who he is. And that should be, especially if you're in one of these blue states, I'd say it's worth voting for him. And, and why? Again, why bother with a guy like Tom Hoefling? Why would that even matter? Well, I want you to see, you know, the the platform. I want you to see, so you can, you know, even look him up keep track of it. This is uh, this would be Tom's logo. TomHoefling2020.com if you want to go check it out. See what's uh, on his agenda. See what his uh, endorsements. See things he's talked about and all kinds of issues. Feel free to go there and check that out. But I'm going to show you just one thing just so you can get an idea of what a Tom Hoefling presidency would be built on. Okay? And it's what we would call Tom's platform, his plank. What is it that Tom Hoefling and Andy Pryor, whom he's running with as vice president, what are his 10 planks that make up his platform? In case you never heard what those were, I mean, planks are like planks on a, on a floor, and it's the planks that you build the platform that you stand on, you build your um, candidacy on, build what your... Um, which your presidency would be built on. So he calls it Tom Hoefling's 10 Keys to Saving the American Republic. So see if these ring as something that you could get behind. Number one, remind the American people that the source of their rights is God, not men, and that those rights are therefore unalienable. That's Declaration of Independence writing with unalienable. You can also say inalienable. And why does it sound like Declaration of Independence? Because that's the type of language we hear about, about our rights coming from God. Two, restore governmental protection for the equal right of all innocent persons, including unborn persons, to live. And Tom makes a great argument about how that's right in line, of course, with the Declaration of Independence and the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments of the United States Constitution. Number three, restore and protect the most fundamental and important civilizing institution of our society, the God-created, God-defined institution of marriage and the natural family. Uh, obviously, that 
eliminates LGBTQ, which Trump is also working to around the world. Did you hear in that article with Grinnell, if you want to read about him trying to decriminalize it across the world, trying to work for um, uh, protecting that type of activity, not just here in the States, but around the world. So, and, and folks, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about going out. I, I have homosexual friends, family members. I love them. I love having conversations and getting the gospel to um, LGBTQ friends and neighbors. I love them. I don't see their sin as is something that puts them in a darker pit of hell than I would go to because of my sin. I know my depth of sin has earned me the deepest, darkest pit of hell, and I deserve the wrath of God in full measure because I know my depravity better than anybody. So I'm not zeroing them out. I've talked about them a lot because it's a big issue, because it is foundational to the family, to the what the Bible says is important, which is the family. So between abortion and LGBTQ issues, those are huge primary foundational biblical issues, and they both tie to civil society, the breakdown of the nuclear family, we call it, leads to the destruction of societies. And we see that. So this isn't just a b biblical sin issue. It is a political issue as well. And President Trump and people who support anything like that are, are supporting those things that tear down the building blocks of society and destroy a nation and destroy nations because they go against the law of God that was declared by him in his word and is seen in nature. So when we see God's law and nature's law and nature's law is God's law without the name, which is sadly men trying to get away from God and some things, but not to get on a big tangent there. But just so you know, I don't want anybody to think that I, I hate homosexuals or anything. I love all people. I want everybody to be saved. And I have some of my greatest conversations and folks with people who are part of that community. Again, like I have friends, I have family in those communities and I've given them the gospel because I want them to be saved. And I love meeting with folks on college campuses out in the community and those uh, that live in and celebrate those lifestyles. And I love to give them the gospel because like anybody else, I want them to be saved. So don't, please don't take away that because I'm talking a lot about it. It just happens to be prominent issues that God says are abominable. And there happen to be things that President Trump supports. And sadly, many other people that call themselves conservatives, call themselves Republicans, are supporting. And because we've slid so far, the church has failed to be salt and light. Uh, Grinnell, if you read his article, he claims to be a um, Christian homosexual married man to another man. That's how far we've slid. That that's allowed and that Trump celebrates those types of things. Calling good evil and evil good. So anyway, Tom says that's definitely the problem. That's one of the huge problem here. And he would not be part of that. Four, restore and protect our God-given right to keep and bear arms. Constitutional level gun protection. So if you're a big 2A guy or gal, hey, Tom's all for that. Defend the sovereignty, security, and borders of the United States. Um, six, restore and protect our Republican form of self-government, which is of the people, by the people, and for the people. You've heard that before. That's from Abraham Lincoln and made very clear that we are a re representative republic. Lincoln said that and further Teddy Roosevelt even said we are the government. In other words, folks, that's that's key that's important for us to remember. We are the government. And so as I get to scripture again here in a little bit, we'll see the importance of this because because we are the government. Because that's representative republican form of government puts a lot of weight on us who've been given much, much is required. Number seven, restore respect for all the sacred obligations of the solemn oath of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Tom takes it seriously, which, honestly, because of Trump's stances, obviously he does not. 
Um, not in all realms, like people want to tout that he does, and I've proven that already here tonight. And anybody that studied the Constitution knows that. But you know, moving on, eight, bring about fundamental tax, regulatory, and governmental reforms. That's a huge ticket move. And Tom is about that. Number nine, this is key to part of his another three-point stance he makes. Dismantle all government programs, agencies, or law. This is his three-pronged um, litmus test right here. He lists it right here as a three-pronged litmus test for what agencies are gone and what programs are done away with. Dismantle all governmental programs, agencies, or laws which are either immoral, unconstitutional, or unnecessary. If it's immoral, it goes. If it's unconstitutional, it goes. If it's unnecessary, it goes. If any one or all three of these is present, they go. How much would that reduce government spending and clean up our bloated, wicked federal beast? Huge, huge, huge change there by that going into effect. And kind of tying in with that number 10, rein in our out-of-control usurping judiciary. That's a program, that's a uh, governmental program or agency that needs to be reined in so that they stop legislating from the bench. You know, folks, the Supreme Court is required, but it can be changed in its format. There's things that can be done, and the thing is, is that the judiciary needs to be, without even touching it, needs to be not esteemed as the god that so many s seem to treat them as they are, sadly, a great many pro-lifers looking at the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, as more like a god than a wing of the government. So, that's important. So, th those are ten planks on a platform that I ask you. Is, is that a platform that you could get behind? Is that a platform you could stand on? Again, if you're in a bright blue state like I'm in, here's again going to the pragmatism part. If you're just going for the pragmatism part, think on this. This is common sense too. And pragmatism feeds into that. It's nothing wrong with being pragmatic when it's not being unrighteous. What do sports teams do? What do political um, parties do, what do candidates do when they win and then they go for their next bout, their next re-election. If they win and they win it all decently, do they change much? No. Why change? You've already won with what you've got. If it didn't broke, don't fix it. Nobody changes anything when they've won, especially if they've won handily. If they win and it's a squeaker, they might question some of the stances they have, some of the things they do, but they're still going to take the win, and they may or may not change something. But if they lose by a little bit, they'll be forced to say, what do we need to tweak? What did we miss on here so that the next time we go at this, we win? But if they win big or they lose big, if they lose big, they realize, whoa, We've got to change. We've got to make some major changes. And here's the key. Now, this is just for the folks. I'm just talking pragmatism for the folks here. Just right now, if this is for the people that voting advice for some now, some of you now that are in the bright blue states, that you're only looking at the pragmatic. You're not looking at the full-on biblical reasons that I'm basing my stance on, but you're just looking at even the pragmatic, pragmatic reasons, but you still want out of pragmatism to make your voice heard and make an impact. 
you're in that bright blue state that it'll take a miracle for Trump to win, why waste your vote on a miracle that's not worth being a miracle that you're holding your nose for anyway? Why don't you join me in voting for Tom Hoefling in your bright blue state? You know, if, if a bunch of people just in the bright blue states voted for Tom Hoefling and, and it wasn't Trump that won the majority, or at least some guy like Tom, which Tom's, I'm saying, is a good candidate for the here right now. Don't know if we'll have him for the next election. Don't know what this country will be or where it'll be come next election. Um, but right now, you can vote for him. He's on the ballot in a great many states, written in. He's on the ballot in some states. He can be written in in the majority, more than half the states in the union. You can find out. Go to his website and find out what is what current states are available. And there's more being added as we speak. Can you vote for Tom in your bright blue state? Like me out here in Oregon on the left coast, vote for Tom. And if you vote for Tom, and let's say a whole bunch of people voted for Tom. Let's say it was so many of those Christians that I'm going to vote my conscience, and it fits in with my pragmatic reasoning even in this state, and I'm going to vote for Tom. And it was so big that Trump didn't just lose in the state like he was expected to, but he lost so big that Tom either was the majority winner of the uh, right-wing vote, still wasn't enough to push him over the edge for the um, win in the state, but he won the actual right-wing conservative vote, what would that say to the GOP across the nation, let alone in that state? They might have to rethink strategy. They might have to go, wow, we lost big time. Maybe, maybe we can't run candidates like this anymore. Now, that's just in the bright blue states. But even if it was just enough to where you actually made a percentage where there's a purple number on there, the third party shows them and goes, whoa, third place is this guy, Tom Hoefling. Wow. You got to stand up and take notice. I throw that out there because Tom now is, I believe, the guy that to vote for. However, um, it could be somebody else, and it will be somebody else in your state's uh, gover governor's election. In the last governor's election here, I voted for a man named Aaron Auer, who ran on the... Um, the Constitution Party here in uh, Oregon, and he met with us as well as he met with a, another um, longtime aspiring statesman of much more power. And I was amazed he actually came to meet with us. But they both um, agreed with our abolitionist stance. But Aaron, so much that he embraced it and said, You're right, no more pro life compromise, embraced abolitionism and voted for him for governor. Um, so it could be in your governor spot, could be in a Senate spot, could be wherever. It's not just the presidency, but in the presidency this year, Tom is a good vote for a righteous candidate with a righteous platform, not bearing the sword in vain, doing what is right in God's declaration and constitution, honoring ways for the United States. So that's what I'm saying for Tom. So if you're in a bright blue state, would you at least consider that? If you're having to hold your nose for Trump anyway and you're thinking the only chance would be a miracle, why vote for a miracle like that? Why don't you vote for a miracle that's worth having a miracle? One that you could say, wow. God, if there's a miracle, be a miracle that God did for his glory, not for you to hold your nose about. In a state that is not going to win anyway. So so let's uh, let's go for a miracle that's worth making it a miracle, okay? So consider that, my, my blue state voting friends. But I did say, why? Why am I saying that I'm not going um, to vote for... Um, an, an unrighteous candidate. I'm not going to vote for somebody um, specifically like Trump, Trump specifically here, nor people like him, because I have a different view of 
um, the way the Bible says we need to, because I'm looking at scripture in how to vote here. So let's look at just a few things. I'm not going to, I've been on this, it's been a, it's a while, so I'm not going to go long term, but let's go into and look at the um, different issues um, that are on our, that are on our um, plate here. Let's see if I can get this slideshow going. <laughs> we'll refresh it. There we go. And let's pause it and we'll walk through it step by step. Pause. Mac. Okay, maybe maybe we won't go back. You gotta love it when these things go. Pause. We'll see if it works. Why? Why will I not vote for a Trump? Or someone like him? Because of Scripture. Just going to go over a couple. But we did talk about earlier, you heard, and you know the call out of Isaiah as well, when it says, uh, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Well, this, this is dying directly to government here. Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees. What's an iniquitous decree? Well, that's another term for a law. Make a decree, a law, an iniquitous decree, a sinful decree, a sinful law. And the writers who keep writing oppression. Okay, they are writing oppression. And why do they do that? To turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right, that widows may be their spoil and they may make the fatherless their prey. Now, again, friends. I am not doubting that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are doing this to the extreme. But God does not give a percentage point here. God, again, we're dealing with God's word. We're not looking at a um, percentage point. We're not looking at a wording here. Let's go over the wording here. Where they, Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees and writers who keep writing oppression. In other words, people who sign things into law, people who write the laws, legislators, people from the legislative and executive branch, woe to those who decree iniquity decrees, writers who write those decrees, write oppression. Does it say, woe to those who decree only some iniquitous decrees, or to writers who keep writing just certain percentages of oppression? No. It's a, it's carte blanche. It is it is across the board. Okay, it's it's any level. Woe. That's a woe from God. That's not a woe from me. That's a woe from God to those who do this type of wickedness. And who is specifically to turn aside the needy from just who's more needy than the preborn image bearer in the womb who's being torn apart limb from limb, being burned to death with a sailing killing solution, whether it's being torn apart limb from limb, vacuumed apart bodies being crushed and destroyed, pre-born image bearers of God being murdered. Who is more needy than that? Who is the more poor? Who is the more prey of the fatherless? Who's more fatherless than the child that's been abandoned in the womb, either because the father doesn't know or he willingly and openly endorses the murder of his own child, both fatherless and motherless. How wicked is that? What type of wickedness is that? And are we to be supporting the people that we see clearly God decries a woe against? I sure hope you don't think so. 
and it doesn't matter the percentage again there's no percentages in there that is applying to anybody in that now you if you want to try to say well that's you know not you're not exegetically accurate we're obviously talking about Israel and this Old Testament stuff okay, we're, we're, we'll get into the New Testament here and we could go over but but remember when you look at um, hermeneutics when you look at how to study the Bible we have a principling bridge you take certain things from the Old Testament and you've probably heard the old saying said and it, it is a powerful and true statement for the most part is that the um, the Old Testament um, uh, on display, the pictures of the Old Testament are pictures of New Testament truth. Okay, so when we see a physical picture in the Old Testament, that can be a New Testament truth spiritually. When we take this as what it would say going over a principling bridge, we take things that are eternal, which is God's character. And God's character doesn't change the woes that he carries. And you can go through all scripture. Like I said, I'm trying to keep it short, but if you doubt me, go through scripture and see if he only speaks to Israel. No, he speaks and he doesn't say Israel in this verse. He calls woes on any nation. All those nations who turn against God, they're going down, the scripture tells us. So, I mean, you can check it out if you doubt me. I, I don't think you do. But that's a solid principle. Woe to people who do this type of wickedness, regardless whether it be Old Testament or New. So, going to the next slide, getting into the Psalms. Can wicked rulers, we would call them our representative rulers, our representative leaders, because again, as Teddy Roosevelt said, we are the government. We elect leaders from within our own people. Can wicked rulers be allied with you? Can a wicked ruler be allied with you? Can you join forces with a wicked ruler? Those who, what does it say? Frame injustice by statute. Statutes, even term we understand today. We have here in Oregon, we have Oregon Revised Statutes. You have statutes in every state in the Union. Statutes, we understand, are what? Laws. Can we as Christians be allied with those who frame injustice by statute? People who, what does it say there? Again, we're carrying a principle over here. People who band together against the life of the righteous. We're starting to see some persecution against Christians now, even in our nation. Starting to see them get arrested just the other day. We're seeing them get arrested for singing hymns and songs outside of a city hall and not giving ID. We're starting to see churches shut down and uh, fines going against and threats going against others. It's light momentary affliction, not worthy to be compared with even what our saints and brothers and sisters around the world are suffering as we remember them. But it's a beginning of a little bit of suffering, not worthy to be called suffering, but it's a little bit. And it's even happening in America now. But, friends, that type of injustice, those wicked people, those wicked rulers, are banding together against the life of the righteous Christians and condemn the innocent to death. Now you may say, well, President Trump isn't banning against, he's fighting for Christian rights and blah, 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 blah. Well, friends, if you're supporting wickedness, like LGBTQ abominations, you're supporting the murder of the preborn. You're not supporting Christian things. You may be in some ways, to some degree. Yes, I know he called uh, Pastor MacArthur and encouraged him and thanked him for his stance against the tyranny of Gavin Newsom in the state of California. But at the same time, he's saying that you should murder, and we already covered it, you should be able to murder 
preborn image bearers in the womb that are conceived in rape, conceived in incest, or who threaten the life of the mother. And not so even does he just want those to be his personal stance, but he believes that should be the Republican Party platform, and we've seen that it has become a understood um, value that is being promoted across the nation from the most pro-life president ever. So please, friends, even if you think he is not banding together against the life of the righteous, he is condemning the innocent to death. And your vote for him, again, there's no percentages here. There's no percentage about can wicked rulers be allied with some of you? Can we be allied with some wicked rulers who frame a little bit of injustice by statute or band together against some of the righteous or condemn a few of the innocent to death or a lot? Again, friends, it's black and white. You don't band together. You don't ally yourself to people who murder. This is just biblical. Now, I know it's cut and dried. I know it's very black and white. And I know it doesn't meet all the nuances of American politician language. But my friends, this is just Bible stuff. And we're supposed to be, as Christians, basing our lives and our beliefs on the Bible. So those are those are important verses to look at. But let's get into the New Testament. I know it's important. I heard this statement again tonight. It's a very popular statement. Statement came again from a family member, and it comes from, I hear it from other people. I've heard it all over from people. You have to, too. We've just got to vote for the lesser of two evils. Well, the famous preacher, the Prince of Preachers, Spurgeon, said, between the two, when choosing between two evils, choose neither. We don't choose evil. At least we shouldn't. Why? Well, he's looking at what the scriptures tell us. Romans 3, 8, we have the Apostle Paul saying this. Why not do evil? Well, obviously do the, the lesser of two evils. Vote for that lesser of two evils, that less evil candidate, that less evil bill, that that bill that's kind of evil, that person who's kind of evil. Why? Why would we do that? Why, would we just vote for a little evil just because we want a little evil? No, no, no. Christians wouldn't do that. I mean, we wouldn't vote for evil just for the sake of voting for evil. Of course we wouldn't do that if that was the option. But, but we'll vote for evil. Why not do a little evil that good may come? Because, because if I vote for the lesser of two evils, then good may come of that. We may, may save some babies. We may see less LGBTQ abominations. We may have some protection. We, if we do this little evil, if we plug our nose and vote, if we, if we support this wicked bill, this wicked candidate, this wicked president, governor, senator, representative, if we do that, some, some good may come of that. What, is, what does Paul say about that? As some people slanderously charge us with saying their condemnation is just. My friends, do you recognize that? Do you realize what that's saying? The Apostle Paul is not commending that. What we as American, and I myself was part of for a great many years, repented of it by the grace of God and only by the grace of God and people speaking to me like I'm speaking to you today and hopefully um, you'll see some of that. You'll join us in repentance. But this is clear, friends. When someone does evil, the good may come and accuses Christians of saying, well, let's do evil, the good may come. 
We're not any accused of that, friends. I'm hearing it touted as a virtue. We're not voting for a pastor. We've got to take the lesser of two evils so that we can get some good out of it because it's going to fall apart. All kind of wickedness and evil going to happen without it. We've got to get some good out of this mess, and only good's going to come out of voting for this lesser of two evils. That's the argument. That's the argument you're making. That's the argument you've heard. And that's the argument the Apostle Paul says, if you say that about me, that I say that type of that a Christian would say that we got to do evil to get some good out of the decision, we got to do some evil so that good may come, that is slanderous and condemnable. Paul says that is lying slander. And people that say that ought to be condemned. Condemned for that type of language. Do we say slanderous and condemnable? No. We pat ourselves on the back and say what good we did, and we cheer at, oh, thank you, Lord, for blessing us with this lesser evil in the hopes that some good will come of it. My friends, God may indeed, he always brings in lesser evil, he always brings in the candidate that he's brought in. Don't let the idea of, uh, like again, like I've heard, well, God's, Trump's obviously God's man because, hey, he elected him in 2016. I think he's God's man still. He's going to re-elect him in 2020. It's going to happen. Friends, remember what Scripture says. He sets up all rulers and takes them down. He does all of that in every single one. Remember, Obama was God's man for eight years. Clinton was God's man. Every president who's ever been and every king and every ruler and every governor and every senator, every single person on this earth stands and acts and lives and moves and has their being by the grace of God according to his sovereign will. Every single person, every single ruler is there because they are God's man or woman in that time. Okay? Doesn't mean that they're righteous or good. And I know people go, well, look what he did with Nebuchadnezzar. Look what he did with Sennacherib. Look what he did with blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he'll do that, and he's done some good things with Trump, sure. And he may do things, but that doesn't mean because God can do good with these things or because in his sovereign unknown will that he does work things all together for good for those who love him according to his purpose, just because he does work these things out because he promises he would because he is in control, in no way means we are supposed to vote for evil. We are not supposed to ally ourselves with wicked rulers. Nowhere does that compute. Just because we're to pray for the peace and live peaceable lives and be able to share the gospel and live these things like uh, Timothy tells us to pray, Paul tells us in Timothy to pray for these things, that in no way means that we're supposed to vote and support that wickedness. Just because the people were in Babylon and they were in exile, God told them to live and do what was right and obey and serve in exile, but it didn't mean that what they did to get in exile was good, and it didn't mean they were supposed to take part in the evil. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down to the idol. They didn't obey the government in doing wickedness. Daniel didn't obey the government in doing wickedness. Peter and Paul didn't obey the government in doing wickedness. We are not to obey government or anything to do wickedness, and we're not to do on our own choice wickedness in the hopes to do good for government. I'm not speaking weird, strange, deep theological stuff, folks. I'm speaking plain, simple, basic, biblical truth. Extrapolating from the old to the new, following a principling bridge that is a sound hermeneutic, and I'm also following the clear teaching in the New Testament of Paul about not doing evil that good may come. And again, friends, it isn't just the Bible, which that's enough. 
But the Bible does make clear, and that's one more thing with the Bible. I, I was going to go right to that, but I got more verse there. So whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That includes your vote. If you're voting for someone, Trump or like Trump, who supports murdering babies, who supports LGBTQ abominations, we've proven today. Again, not saying his percentage of that support is as high or as deep as it would be for Biden or Harris. Can you say you're doing that for the glory of God? Is, is doing anything you plug your nose and doing, is that ever to the glory of God? I don't think so. don't think so. If you think it is, okay, but I, I don't think so. And here's the deal. Wrap up the scripture area here with James. This is the key to the problems with pro-life bills. This is key to the problems with voting for uh, candidates and um, legislators like Trump and him himself. Is that it is a vote of practicing sinful partiality. James tells us if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture... You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. In other words, if you say no baby should be murdered and no attack on the mar- the marriage bed, the true traditional marriage as defined by God, family as defined by God, the building blocks of our nation of society, the traditional family, none of that should be attacked. None of that should be supported none of that should be forwarded if you really fulfill the loyal the royal law according to the scripture you shall love your neighbors yourself by upholding what god says is right because what god says is right is loving and kind you are doing well but if you show partiality partiality means favor if you show partiality what are you doing you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. James 2, 8, and 9. My friends, if you say, hmm, I'm going to support bills put forth by pro-life legislators, by pro-life um, movement groups, and I'm going to support executors who will enforce those laws and sign those laws, those iniquitous decrees, those statutes into law as executors, you are showing partiality because you're joining with them. Because remember, folks, in America, we are the government. We have a hand in this. So if you show partiality towards the preborn, towards against biblical marriage, towards other wickedness that takes part because of the platform and stances, your candidate, your legislator, your executor, the one you're supporting, you're allying yourself with in their evil, you're joining in the sin, my friend. I did it for a great many years in this realm, and I'm far from sinless now in my activity. But this one just hit me in the face so clear. This is Christianity 101. You've got God telling us stuff that we all know. You shall not murder. Love your neighbors yourself. You have a president and countless people, candidates in office, who in some way, at some level, again, maybe not as bad as their opponents, but they support wickedness. They support child murder. They support the attack on the destruction of the family. They just they stand for and against the things of God. They call what is good evil, and they call evil good. And woe to them, and woe to us if we take part in that. 
I don't say that because I hate you. I don't say it because I'm fighting. I'm just saying that's what Scripture is telling us, friends. It's very clear. And, again, it isn't just the Scripture. It's in the basis of our own nation. The Declaration of Independence says the beginning of one of our inalienable rights, and it's one of many, it doesn't enumerate all the inalienable rights, it just gives some, and it gives three biggies, and it starts off with life. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the right, that is one of the rights, it's the first big right, amongst many, the first right they talk about is life. My friends, our president does not support that. Our president says it's okay to murder at least three categories, not just three people total, but three categories of human beings, three categories of image bearers of God. And that third category, the life of the mother, can be construed to save every single abortion ever done. And hey, in four years, he hasn't done anything to stop abortion. Record high Planned Parenthood numbers we showed earlier. Record high funding for Planned Parenthood. If that's the best pro-life president ever, that's weak no matter what. Will it be worse under Biden here? Yeah, probably. But again, we're not called to save the republic. We're called to obey God. And if we're Americans and we care about our founding, the foundational document that speaks about our rights as given to us by our creator, God Almighty, life is number one. And Trump and many others that we vote for and support are against life. Therefore, the destruction of certain image bearers of God and that and innocent image bearers, not just death penalty votes, but image bearers in innocence like preborn image bearers. And that's wickedness. And we're allying ourselves wicked rulers according to God's word and according to our own declaration of independence. So friends, it isn't just in the Bible. But again, the Bible should be enough, but it's against our founding documents as well. So my friends, we have this issue all over the place. It is clear that we have a great deal of sin in our history, in our current election cycles, and the, what we do with them is defy God when we do these things. We go against him when we take these stances. So my advice to you for everybody now is to not stay on that train in the presidential election no matter where you are red or blue state i encourage you to vote for tom but if you're saying no i'm too pragmatic for that you just can't do it just can't do it you're not willing to take the time to argue you're not, you're not willing to receive this as god's truth and you're just going to stand on the stance you're going to take and so be it I, again just because you disagree with me we argue online and all that doesn't mean i don't love you doesn't mean i don't think you're a christian just don't think you're seeing it biblically in this area and it's not going to stop me from fellowship and loving with you ministering with you but i'm not going to stop holding this position and i hope that uh i can continue to be um a force of reason and others will too but if you're not going to take that stance now, maybe maybe you're going to take the pragmatic blue state stance and you'll do it just as if you're going to virtue signal, you might as well virtue signal for a one that's worth virtue signaling for. So maybe you'll take that stance. Maybe you'll move at least the, the arrow that far and realize it's not worth virtue signaling for a man who's not worth virtue signaling for. Maybe you'll do that for this election and for others. Um, but I pray that you do because it isn't just for the now, but I also set up on there for others for the next time remember that because what I already fear is that right now already we are waiting for a a new rock star 
um, to show up abolitionists, especially and Christians. And we're thinking, you know, if we don't have um, a rock star show up, I'm already predicting that our next presidential election, especially if Trump wins, we are going to see the same old, same old. And people are already, I can already hear them saying, and he's a good moral man. He's He has a good moral stance on things. And of course, that's Vice President Mike Pence. So I ask you, just want to throw one thing out there for you to see from... Uh, it's the alliance and friendship whoa. between Germany and the United States. I wasn't going to play his video, but there's old Pence. This is the man who people are saying, hey, this guy, oh, they're already talking about how moral and how good and how good Christian man he is. Yes, Vice President Pence is 100% on the, does not support any realms of abortion, but he supports Trump and his stances on him, sings his praises. But would he have anything to do with the LGBTQ type of abomination stuff? Well, of course he would. And here it is, ABC News, Pence swears in Trump's most prominent openly gay official, Grinnell, talking about it earlier. You watch this video, you watch this video, you will hear statements by Pence and you will see in his actions and in the way he talks, he has Grinnell sworn in right there in his, his position and he has him there swearing in with his quote-unquote husband there holding the Bible. And Pence tells him, grab that big old Bible there. And the statements he makes about who this man is and what he thinks about him, what Pence, this great big um, conservative moral person, thinks, it's it's pretty sad. Let me pull up the picture I pulled up. I'll, I'll put the picture up here so that you can read the quote so you don't have to go through this article or, or another. There's other articles tell more or less this. But I'm going to give you direct quotes, and you can listen to that video if you want to hear them. Direct quote. But here it is. Vice President Pence, a professing Christian, endorses, praises, and swears in homosexual Richard Grinnell as a U.S. ambassador to Germany as his homosexual partner holds the Bible. So there it is right there. You see the picture. There's his husband, he says, which is, of course is unbiblical, his partner, holding the Bible as Ambassador Grinnell swears in his oath. Now you might think that Pence was forced to do it, like, oh, I gotta do it, because like, somebody's gonna swear him in, that's my thing, so I gotta do it, and I'll just kinda grin and bear, and okay, sir, go ahead and do this. No. Here's direct quotes. Pence stated, says, uh, Pence did not merely swear in Grinnell because he thought perhaps he was obligated to do so, but with much joy and passion, Pence stated that it was his, quote, great privilege to do so. And that Grinnell is, quote, an outstanding man, and that this was Pence's high honor to swear him into the highest position that a homosexual man had ever been sworn into under any um, presidency. It was his high honor to take part in this monumental event. This from a professing Christian that people tout as so amazing. Folks, and this is, he's only the vice president, so we don't hear the um, depth of discussions and things about Pence that we hear, of course, about Trump. Because, hey, he's just the vice president. My friends, we, like I said before, 
we go after a a pragmatic view for so long and we have let our country slide so far and we are so far into deserved judgment and yes Trump losing here in this uh, scenario could mean the end of our republic could mean horrible future for our children and grandchildren I have young children and it it breaks my heart to think about the nation that may be there for them if Trump was to lose but I don't have any great joy in the country that will be there with Trump winning. We'll close up soon. It's been a long podcast, but one thing that's interesting to notice, friends, is that when I hear people, smart people like Dr. James White and other people talking about the horrible things coming out of evangelicalism from people in the Gospel Coalition, people from leading up colleges, and people that were one time conservative and now they've slidden to the left, and all these horrible things, and they go, and this is just tip of the iceberg. This is what you think this is bad. Wait till you see it if Trump's not president. Blah, 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 blah. We need to protect our country. We need to save the republic is the, the, the basic mantra. They may be saying that, but they're saying we've got to save this nation. We've got to have this nation preserved, and Trump's going to do that. But friends, I do ask you, in light of God's word, is this nation worth preserving? If this is what's already in it, if the conservatives are already defecting, if the people are already abandoning scripture, if we've become postmodern Christians, let alone part of a postmodern culture that's going full pagan, is it worth saving? Maybe it would be if you could do so without denying scripture. But my comment, my showing here tonight, and if you really want to go deep, I've done several teachings on it. I have way more information on it than this. I can point them to if you want. But if this isn't just enough and you want that, but friends, is anything worth denying God's clear commands in Scripture, clear avoidance of his woes? Is anything, saving any republic, worth doing that? As a Christian, the answer must be no. But you're going to hear people like James White, Doug Wilson, big names, big brains, and countless evangelical leaders, and your pastors and others, and you see the MAGA hats, you're going to hear it from the talking heads, you're going to hear it from all over that we've got to vote Trump, this is the most important election in our lives, we've got to do this. Friends, I say we vote what's right, and if it costs a Trump election, so be it. If we can say we did it, not because you voted for a wicked man, even more wicked man like Biden in the Harris campaign, but that you voted because you said, I'm going to vote righteous for like a Tom Hofling, or in any race you're going to vote for a righteous candidate with a good platform, or not vote because there is none. And you do that, and come what may. Come what may. And that's a good stance to take. Because you'll be able to say, I voted my conscience as informed by Scripture. And if you can make a scriptural argument against it, I'm happy to hear it. I haven't heard one yet. I've heard a smattering of verse here and there and hardly nothing and nothing with good context, nothing that says, yes, we should support these types of wickedness by voting for it. Never heard that, how we should, but yet we should vote for those people because the Republic, and that's the answer. It's not a good enough answer, folks, because we don't violate God's law for pragmatic, unbiblical reasons, ever. So I encourage you not to. I encourage you to join us, those of us, especially as abolitionists, as Christians, who have repented of that and do what's right. But if you're in that group that says, well, 
I can't do it because I don't think, you know, the guy's got a chance and blah, blah, blah. Well, would you just think of your deep blue state, do enough research to know you're a deep blue state, and then if it's going to be a miracle one way or the other, let me wrap up again with that, and then, hey, vote for a righteous, worthwhile miracle. Go for that. Anyone else down there, the third party, vote for Tom for the presidential election. Maybe at least state, send a statement that there's somebody else out there. There's other people out there, and we're tired of it. At least some of us are going to say it. But uh, maybe it's for next time. Friends, will you think a little bit about this? Will you join me? And here's the last bit of advice. Will you join me in being a, a person that's going to try to bring about a next candidate if the country is going to survive, if it does make it through? Will you join me in not just taking the status quo four years from now? Can you not be the person that just defaults on Pence or whoever the other Republican rock stars because it's the status quo guy with all their compromise and all their problems? Would you join with me in working to bring an abolitionist to the fore? Maybe Tom will be back there again. Maybe not. Maybe a guy like Dan Fisher who ran for governor in Oklahoma would take a presidential stab. I doubt it, but I just throw that out there. Maybe um, Senator uh, Joseph Silk, who's running for U.S. Senate, now, maybe maybe he'll be able to throw his hat in the ring for president four years from now. I don't know. I don't know what other person may repent, may embrace abolitionism like Joseph Silk did in Oklahoma. I mean, he embraced abolitionism in five minutes. Aaron Auer here in Oregon embraced it near, near as fast, but Aaron's a far more small and not a, um, he's just a candidate on a third party. I mean, Joseph Silk actually won his Republican district and is on his way to the U.S. Senate. So, I don't know. Maybe he's a future rock star abolitionist that could actually run for president. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out. It could be somebody else. But when, if it isn't Tom, if it isn't one of those, but if it's somebody, can you can you actively work? If you think the republic's worth saving, not just be lazy, not just go with the status quo, not make your excuses and arguments for it, but can you actually maybe put your hand to the grindstone, be biblical, Think it out, pray it out, and see that the biblical reasoning says you got to go with someone who will honor and glorify God. We got four years to the next one, possibly, if the Republican Republic doesn't dissolve. Um, but no matter what, the time for justice is always now. The time to obey God is always upon us. It's never a time for excuses, never a time for compromise. So I'd pray that you would join us in repentance, voting for a guy like Tom and other righteous candidates through this election, one way or the other. But in the very least, would you seriously start thinking about how you're going to make a difference and do what's right at least the next time, if there is a next time. But again, I just finished with saying the time to do right is always now. So join me, join us, and start doing right today. I don't see any comments. This has been a long um, podcast. But it's a big issue. God bless you. Have a great night. And I will see you next time on Core Issues.